Let's repeat the topic again. Say, take charge, take charge of, your life, of your life, but know the truth. Last week, I talked about take charge of your life, and the goal of the sermon was to talk about the importance of giving God the master key in your life. And really, that's the overall theme for the whole series. I, I want you to take charge of your life, but don't take charge in such a way that you exclude God. And a lot of the self-help stuff encourages you in some ways to take charge of your life, which is, I think is good, but if you're not careful, you think you can do that on your own. And I believe you have to include God in the process. Part of what that means, though, is there are certain things you have to know. And one of the things you have to know is you have to know the truth. John 8, 32 is one of the, my favorite verses. It says an incredible thing. It's very simple. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word uh, there implies to deliver. It, 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 it delivers you. The truth will free you. It will deliver you. There are things you can believe, and maybe you can go back in your mind and think of things that you used to believe a long time ago, and now you know it's not true. I don't know what that would be. It'd be interesting for you to tell me. What are some of the things you used to believe, but now you know they're not true? Um, I'm curious. Give me, get, raise your hand. T tell me something you used to believe, but now you... Say, say what now? Santa Claus. Oh, watch yourself. Don't you, don't, you, don't you let that out. Don't you let that out. Now, that's... A, hey, 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 hey. That's, that's, all right, all right. I'm going to pretend she didn't say that. All right. <laughs> Somebody else. Give me, give me something. Something you used to believe. That's a classic. That's classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mean, being left-handed meant you owe the devil a day's work. That's what you used to believe. They used to tell you that as a kid. That's a shame. That's a crying shame. That's a crying shame. Well, you know, I, I, I was supposed to be left-handed, and they used to force you to be right-handed. I think that's my, right, my writing is so awful, but we'll see. Who knows? Maybe not. Somebody else, what you used to believe that you now know that you, you don't believe that anymore? Yes. Women Women should not wear pants because it's a sin. That was a big deal back in those days. Yeah. Somebody else. What did you used to believe? Yes. Mm -hmm. When one split a pole, when two walking together, you superstition. Don't split that pole. Get back around. <laughs> I, said, I like that. That's an honest guy. I like that. Uh, young lady, you had your hand up? What did you used to believe? Tooth fairy. Okay. I ain't going to talk about that either. All right. <laughs> Y'all messing with good stuff today. Y'all need to leave that alone now. <laughs> yes. That your mom didn't know anything. You knew everything. You're so honest. I like that. Yes. What did you used to believe? Uh, my dad told me that sharks and alligators didn't like dark meat. That sharks and alligators didn't like dark meat. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. <laughs> What am I gonna do with you people? I don't know what I'm gonna do with y'all. I'm gonna tell you now. What, 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 what? If you put your purse on the floor, you won't have any money. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be some broke women in here today. It's <laughs> some broke women up in here. Look at her lifting her purse up off the ground. That ain't gonna tell you. <laughs> Come on and say, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The real question is, why is it so hard sometimes to know the truth? And I gave you five reasons or four reasons there to tell you 
why I think it's hard for some people to know the truth. And um, I, I made one little error, and I'll show you how to correct that in a minute. But first of all, I think the people around you don't know the truth. I think that's one of the first reasons why it's hard to know the truth. If the people around you don't know the truth, how can they teach you the truth? Number two, the truth, <laughs> the truth says no to you when you want to hear yes. Uh, it's real hard to hear the truth, and, you know, especially in love relationships. When you feel like you like somebody, it's really hard to hear the truth. Number three, I, I think the truth is not recognizable to you, to your way of thinking. And this is important. The truth is not recognizable to your way of thinking. Your thinking changes, and so your definition of truth changes. But in those early days, it wasn't recognizable to you. You'll see what I mean more about that in a minute. Now, this is where I made my error, so just kind of follow me. We'll correct it together. The truth contradicts, strike out the what, okay, and put and. The truth contradicts and confuses. Say it again. Say the truth, the truth. contradicts. And confuses, so you strike out what, right? And confuses your core values. The truth contradicts and confuses your core values. If your core values say one thing, when you hear the truth, it will contradict your core values and you won't accept it. So there's a, a verse, Matthew 5, 21. In Matthew 5, 6, 7, Jesus talks to the Pharisees and leaders and he says, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it say you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. See, they had this view, okay, as long as I don't touch you, I can lust all day. But as long as, long as I don't touch you. And he says, no, you're missing the point. You've heard it say, but I say. And that's, that was said a lot in that text. You know, you've heard it say don't murder, but I say if you're mean to your brother, if you call your brother out of his name, you already have hurt him. You've already murdered him. I mean, he gives them a broader definition of truth. And so sometimes... Your core values make it hard for you to hear. Their core values were, were, were so twisted. And this is what's really interesting when you get into a new family. You want to know their core values. Every family has them. You want to know their views. Some families feel like stealing is not bad because the store has a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, they really believe that. They shoplift as a crew. They go in and Christmas shop together as a family. The kids steal little stuff. They steal big stuff. They teach it. And it's, it's, I'm not making it up. If you work at Kmart, Walmart, if you work in these places, they'll tell you there are places, Walgreens, there are families that come in and steal as a group. It's a family trip. Let's go steal. <laughs> what are we going to get today? I don't know. Whatever we can. <laughs> and that's part of their culture. And, and uh, Lying is part of the culture. Um, partying is part of the culture. It's part of their core value as a family. And so you have to understand the truth can contradict their core values. And when they hear the truth, they just reject it and say, no, that's not true. <coughs> Romans 12 brings us together. I preached on this a little bit last week. So I want to, if I can, go back in time a little bit and mention Romans 12, verse 1 through 2 briefly. And I want you to just follow me along. Now, I bold print, if you are following in my notes, the big points I want you to see. That's always a cue for you. I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12 and 1, that you, number one, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That was very big in this culture. They understood exactly what he was saying, because they all would offer sacrifice. They were very familiar with people bringing lambs for sacrifice. When you sinned, you had to bring a lamb, and they'd kill the lamb for your sins. And so 
when they heard the term, present your body a living sacrifice, it rang a bell. And the sacrifice needs to be holy and acceptable. You couldn't just bring anything. This concept that you can just give God anything is not right. That's not scriptural. That's your opinion, but it's not what he said in scripture. You have to really be clear about what you bring him. So you bring God your body. You, you do this. You present your body a living sacrifice. Your mama can't do it. The pastor can't do it. Nobody can do it. And you need to present it in a certain way, holy and acceptable to God. And then he says, this is your reasonable service. This is the minimum. Then he goes on in verse 2. Do not be conformed. The word conformed means shaped by, think of molding something. Don't be molded or shaped by this world. Say, by this world. Come on. There used to be a term they used to use all the time called worldly. It's not used much anymore. But worldly used to mean you act like the people who don't know God. That your basic lifestyle and approach is, is not guided by God's principles. It's guided by those around you. best illustration I think of this is when I was in high school, a guy walked up to me, and I was in study hall, and I was reading the Bible, and, and, I was, and he said, what, what are you doing that for? And, and it's a great question. He said, what, what are you doing that for? I said, well, because I want, to, I want to know how to live. And his answer to me was, you don't have to do that to know how to live. I, he said, just live like everybody else. That's what he told me. And I said, I don't want what everybody else has in my life. So I don't want to live, I don't want to, I don't want to approach my intimate life, my sexual life the way everybody else does. I don't want to approach my money the way everybody else does. I don't want to approach my marriage the way everybody else does. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want this to feel the way every father feels when they look at their children. I don't want that in my life. I don't want those regrets. I, do, I don't want to shame myself in front of you and have to apologize to you. I don't want that for me. I'm not trying to be high and mighty. I'm just simply saying, if you ask me what I want from my life, I don't want that. I'd rather have a wife singing in the island. I'd rather have that <laughs> than somebody who's, you understand what I'm saying? Come on, amen. You hear what I'm saying? If I had to choose between the two, come on, amen. Come on, that's what I prefer. <laughs> and she's really happy. Sometimes she's so happy it scares me, you know? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind needs to change. Now, here's the important part of this verse. All of this is about one thing, that you may be, that you may approve, that you may prove. All that, I need my mind transformed, that I may prove, the word prove means to verify or discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If my mind is changed, I can identify things. I can verify things. Now, I'm going to tell a story, not because I want to tell a granddaughter's story. Please, this is only fits in the sermon. She has now learned that her hands work, and they work well. She's learned that if I don't want something, I can swat it. It's, Ricky said it so classically the other day. He said, Daddy, one day she said, these work. I like these. <laughs> These give me power to stop you from giving me what I don't want. And, and she just really uses them all the time now. And it's really amazing to see that transition from you don't really know what these things do to figuring out, oh, boy, I can stop you. It was amazing. There's something about being able to now discern. That's what God, that's what cha the change of mind and the development of a mind does. You now can discern. I don't need that kind of person in my life. That's not God's will. 
I don't need to say those words because that's not God's will. And it's not because you're trying to be holy. It just doesn't work. You start figuring out if a big truck is trying to pass me, let him pass. I discern bigger, smaller, pass. You, you, you discern things differently. When you're younger, uh, one of them said it when I, was, I knew everything, right? Uh, uh, who said that? I knew, I knew everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you discern as you get older. That's not true. You learn your mother did know things. You learn that you did not see everything properly. There's something healthy about that growth process. And, and he said, your mind needs to be changed so you can identify God's will. God can send you the right guy to marry, and you won't recognize him. He's a nerd. I need me a, I need me a ghetto man. You know, you have in your mind what you think you need. You know, you, you got in your mind you, you need somebody that's, that's a certain way, and you're wrong. You, 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 some of you, even when it comes to your job, what you need to do in your career path, you won't discern. Unless you allow God to change the way you think, you can't recognize God's will. Let me, let me tell you something. Now, this is so important. I never wanted to be a preacher, ever, and definitely not a pastor. Can I make this plain? I definitely, you know, uh, <laughs> we, we were someplace the other day. And uh, we went to this park, and, and there was this, uh, uh, they had this alligator thing. You could take a picture with the alligator. And I, I told Christina, I said, and they could take a picture with the snake. I said, you want the snake? She says, I 100% sure. I'm 100% dad sure. I do not want a snake. <laughs> Christina, it comes with the price. I don't care what comes with the price, daddy. 100%. There are things in your life you are 100% sure of. There's some things in your life you are absolutely, totally clear about. You're not confused. You are clear. Because your mind's been transformed, you recognize, you discern, this is good for me, this is not good for me. What can't God show you? What have you missed? Because you can't discern what is good for you and what's not good for you. Do you really know? Well, there are five truths that I think you need to know. And I want to cover these in the next few minutes. Five simple truths. Now, there are more, but these are five things I just want to talk about. I want to make sure you know these truths, and I believe they're life-changing. Number one, let's say them all together, please. And that way we'll get them all said, and then we'll kind of briefly refer, refer back to them. Say the truth about your responsibilities to have a plan. Say, come on, say please. The truth about your responsibility to have a plan. Please understand, that's an important truth. You have to have a plan. I'll come back to that in a minute. The truth about your, say with me, please, your responsibility to plan early. Come on. The truth about your responsibility to plan early. Number three, the truth about your plans and God's purposes. Say that with me, please. Come on. The truth about your plans and God's Number four, the truth you can't teach at certain seasons of life. Say that with me, please. Come on. The truth you can't teach at certain seasons of life. And number five, the truth people can only see on the other side. Say that with me, please. Come on. The truth people can only see on the other side. Now go back with me and let me walk through these real quick. Sometimes in life, people misunderstand a very simple truth. You have a responsibility to plan. We assume that if I pray, God will give me the plan. No. Here's what the Bible says. This is in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, a different version of the Bible. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. But understand, the plans of the diligent, that's what leads to abundance. 
God blesses the diligent planner. That's the lesson. If you have no plan, you have no idea where you're going, you cannot expect God to bless you. You might say, no, 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 I'm praying for God to bless me. That's not what I, no, no, that's not what he said. You have to be a person who brings a plan, some kind of idea. What is your plan? Now, I, I'm working on my plan for next year, and I've been doing it for several months. And I'll say it to brag. I'm just telling you, that's just how I live. I understand he's not going to bless my finances. He's not going to bless our church. He's not going to bless our future. He's not going to bless my kids. He's not going to, if I don't have a plan, I am working a plan. I'm working a financial plan. I'm working, I'm working a, a research study plan, sermon plans. I mean, if you noticed, have you noticed? There is a plan. We're in a series that I plan. What did I do? I, I wrote, I sat down and said, what do we need to do? Take charge of our life. Well, how do we do that? I started researching it. He then steps into the plan. So the biggest problem some of us have is we're praying without a plan. You mean I should pray with a plan? Yes, pray with a plan. Pick a career. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Here's the one and here I go. Jump into something. My teacher used to say back in college, she said, God cannot anoint an empty head. She said it all the time. One of my professors, I thought it was, oh, it was classic. Classic Dorothy Jean Furlong. She'd say that in a minute. Students, God cannot anoint the empty head. You come in here without studying, God cannot anoint it. Bring a plan. Bring something to God. Something you want. Don't be afraid of that. Listen, he's not afraid of you. He's not going to go, oh, I can't believe you thought that up without talking to me first. No. Come on, repeat with me, please. Say, I need a plan. For my, life. for my life. Here we go. Number two. Ready? You need to know the truth about your responsibility to plan earlier. I said it that way on purpose. God blesses the advanced planners, the people who plan before the crisis, the people who think about before they get to that bad place. Your marriage is in a bad place. Life's in a bad place. Did you see it coming? What plans did you put in place? Here's what the Bible says. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down? Remember, the bold prints tell you what I'm focusing on. First, sit down and count the cost to see if you have enough to finish it. It's something about being a person who's clear. I need to plan earlier. Okay, so here's what you do. Well, okay, I didn't plan. I'm 30 years old. I didn't plan. Okay, now spend the next 10 years crying about that. Or plan for the next 10 years. Okay, you're 40. I didn't plan. See, it's amazing. I should have planned. I didn't have enough money. How about the next 10 years? Let's plan for that. How about this next 50? You're 50. I didn't plan. Look at my health. How about the next 20 years you're going to live? Let's plan for that. Start walking now. Don't spend the next 10 years crying because you didn't walk the last 30. Give me a break. Start today. Start now. Can we say start now? Start now. So you need to start with a plan and understand, God blesses those who plan, and God blesses those who plan earlier. Now, number three, understand the truth about your plans and God's purposes. Can we say that, please? Say, your plans and God's purposes. Now, I think it's important to have a plan, but I think that plan needs to have some connection to a purpose. That, and that's what I'm going to teach on next year. Our whole big word next year is purpose. Can you say purpose? purpose. One big question next year is, why are you here? I'll be teaching on that starting the first of the year. Why are you here? What's the purpose? There, there is a purpose for your existence. What is it? How do you discern your purpose? What hinders your purpose? I have a great sermon on What blocks your purpose? Sermon purpose blockers. 
and they stop you from getting to the place God wants you to be. But notice with me first here in, in, in this incredible text, it's Proverbs 19.21. Many of the plans of the man, of, in the mind of a man. Many of the plans in the mind of a man. See, God's not opposed to that. But it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So here's my question to myself. How would blessing me advance God's purpose? So let's say God gives me a career, and I become this famous person, and I make all this money. So how does that affect God's purpose? Whose life is benefited by that? Is it just for me? You want to go to college, get a degree, get all this money, do all these things for what? For you? Is it all about you? you got to be really careful that what you do with your skill and talent can be all about you. And having a staff and having people around you and, having, and, and, get, and jetting around the world, it can all be about you very easily. And it's, it's, it's the trap we fall into. It's that hubris, that arrogant spirit that we develop that ignores the needs of others. I, I believe that I should be a, a person who works to be prosperous. I should be blessed. I think I should come up here looking like a person who's awake in, in, in the year 2015. I shouldn't look like I was from another century. You know what I'm saying? I should get my hair cut the best I can, do the best I can. But it's not for me. It's not just for me. It's for me, but it's not just for me. I should, do the I should make sure I do all I can to make this church as nice as I can, but it's not for me. It's not so I can ride by and go look at the place. It's so that people can come and their lives can be changed. It's so people can come and their lives can be changed. So I live, my, the, I live and I want things to be excellent. I want us to raise money and I want us to have resources because broke people can't do much but complain and talk. I want to have money. I want to have resources. I want to have people. I want to have workers. I want to have laborers so that we can make a difference in the world. That's my purpose. My purpose is to make a difference. One of the things I always say when I greet people is, are you changing your world? Are you taking charge of your world? What are you doing in your world? In the world that Ricky lives in, I have a responsibility to take charge. But <clears throat> excuse me, when I take charge, I'm taking charge because I see that my gifts and talents help advance God's purpose. That's why I'm here. The ultimate gift that I bring to the world is the power to bring change. Number four. The two final truths that you have to understand is the truth that, that's hard to get. And I'll do a part two to this next week to tie in. And it's just a teaching I just love. The truth you can't teach at certain seasons of life is one that's hard for people to get because we want people to get the truth when we know it. If you have kids, you want to teach them things right now because you know it's right. But some people don't learn truth during certain seasons. They have to live through certain things. They have to experience certain things. Then they see the truth. That's why I asked you earlier, tell me something you, <laughs> that you've learned to be true. And there were all kinds of views about dark meat all the way down. People learn truth. Luke 14, 15, rather, verse 11 through 32, tells a story about the prodigal son. Now, you've heard me talk about this story before, but what I'm going to do next week is talk about the prodigal's father. I've never preached a sermon on the prodigal's father. But I want to give you some insights. Please notice his son, the prodigal, and if you don't know the story, let me tell it real quick. The prodigal son story is a father son comes to him and says, hey, listen, I want you to give me my inheritance, and I want to leave home. I want to move away. And his father looks at him, and this is a real insult in this culture. It's like saying, I wish you died. I mean, literally. In their culture, that's what, that's what you were saying. Very disrespectful. 
But his father made a decision. And the word prodigal, by the way, is a word that means wasteful. Can you say that word, please? Come on. So this story is about not just wasting money, but wasting time. The prodigal father understood. Go for it. Go for it. The prodigal son took the money, went out, partied it all away, had a ball, ran out of money, ended up in a job with no friends, no place to stay, and no food. And the prodigal son came to himself and said, I'm going back home to my father. And he went back home, told his daddy he was sorry. Daddy brought him back in. The older brother couldn't stand it. He thought, I can't believe you brought this guy back in after he left and wasted all this money. And I'll talk about the story next week from the prodigal father's perspective. It's just incredible. I just love this teaching. But let me, if I can, show you the truth that we learned in this study today about seasons. Some people will never learn certain things until they get to a certain season. Can you all agree with that? His son, the prodigal father's son, could not hear the truth about the big world beyond his home. The father could have told him about the world because the father had been there. But the son wouldn't believe him. His son could not hear the truth about how fast money can disappear. See, older people keep money in socks and stuff because they know it can disappear. I don't know about you, but my, family, my mom used to keep money everywhere, man, in jacket pockets and coats and all kind of stuff. And, you know, and when you ask them, Mom, you got $20, they turn your head. <laughs> go in another room. Just go, out, go outside. I, I, I'll bring it to you. She didn't want you to know the hiding spots. His son could not hear the truth about, this is important, money-based friends. Lord have mercy. I'm going to tell you something I've learned about money. Now, I've given away thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands, to be honest, to be clear. I've, I've been generous beyond what I should have been. I, 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 I hurt myself a little bit with, with my generosity. But I've learned something. I've learned to be wiser, but I've also learned to be, and I'll always have seed. Come on, say amen. You hear me? I'm, what I've done, God will bless it. It will come back, and it comes back to me many times over, so I'm not complaining, but I'm just making a point. I've learned a lesson having given away supported, paid for, I mean, a lot. I would impress you and probably, I mean, we, yeah, it'd be, you'd help Pastor Ray. That's what you'd probably say, help him. But I've learned something. I've never made friends with money. I have never, ever made anybody like me more because I gave them money. Never. I never give with that in mind because I know it won't work. Because all you have to do is stop giving it to them. They won't like you anymore. So, so money has to be used strategically. The father knew that. He went over there and made friends with his money and parted away. He knew once you spend your money and all, it's all gone, he didn't have a place to stay. He had, he, had, he had to take a job he didn't like and live a place he didn't like. And none of those friends came to his rescue. Number four, his son could not hear the truth about the traps that come with being grown and free. See, that's the dream of a lot of you young people. Won't you look at me? I know you want to get out from under the slave environment of your home, these people, these wicked people, holding you back, robbing you of your freedom. You want to hang out to two in the morning. What's wrong with these people? Let you go. Talking about call back and check in. I'm grown. I'm 18. I'm 17, 16. I don't need anybody checking up on me. Hallelujah. 
I mean, it's, yeah, I know he wanted to be free. He wanted to be free, tired of daddy. Wanted to get out from the house. Can't believe they asked me to wash the dishes. I wash my dish. I know how you feel. <laughs> These old mean people feeding you, housing you, letting you stay in there, and you want to drive their car. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> Give me that car because I asked for it. I understand. Daddy knew what came with freedom. Daddy knows what comes. And you know when you start singing, you get to college, because a lot of them, it's their first time flying free and away from home, and they just breathe the joy, and they tell their parents, I'm leaving. You're going to cry. I'm leaving. And they're just so happy. And all you, you know, you just count down. That's all good. See, when, when that first class start, when that first class. <laughs> the professor walk in with the syllabus and lay out the land and tell you what you got to do. And, and then uh, you find out that, that, that you can't go to the refrigerator and get what you want when you want to. And, and it's just amazing. And, oh, Lord, the world come alive to you. And then when you graduate with your degree, you walk off that stage, and you know you're powerful. You know you got your degree. You walk off that stage. Da, 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 da. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Make all your faces, do your little dance, you know what I'm saying? On the other side, the lone people are waiting for you. They're down there taking a picture too. Click, click, click. <laughs> they will be emailing you soon. Hello, congratulations. Glad you're finished. Now we start. Do you remember all those extra checks you got? <laughs> you remember all that? Went to the mall with that extra money. You remember all that? Time to pay. Time to pay now. Your grand total is $62,342.92. We want every dollar. And we will expect payment to begin at this time. Call us, or we will be calling you. Good day. Daddy, can you believe, Mama, you believe they sent me a note? They said, I got to pay them. I ain't even got a job yet. I know. You shall know the truth. Say amen. I'm not going to that school because I don't like it. I'm going to Yale. Really? I'm for it too. Listen, man, hey, I'm for you. I believe with you. But you have no money. That's the part. I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying you have to start where you start. And you have to, I'm not pushing down your dream. I'm not saying don't apply. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. But when the deal is done, you need to know the truth because the truth will make you what? Free. But some people don't learn the truth until they get to the other side. They have to cross over. They have to experience it. They have to do it. And once they get there, then they see the truth. They learn, number one, you build from where you are. You got to build from where you are. If your family income is at a certain place, you can't build from where you want to be. You build from where you are. And there are a lot of families you're not being honest about where you are. Our church has to build from where we are. You know, you can, you can really be an arrogant person and walk around looking like you have what you don't have, or you can go to Walmart and be, be yourself. <laughs> you walk in there, you're rich. 
You understand? You can buy almost everything in there. You need to go to Walmart and get out of sacks. This happens. You can't afford it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't get all hung up on, on going someplace fancy. Go to Tybee. Get you listen. I, I tell people, if you don't have vacation money to go someplace fancy, go, go to Hilton Head Island, put you on a loud shirt. Nobody going to know. Put your little camera on <laughs> and fake it. Take pictures. Then drive back home. Sleep in your own bed. Drive back over in the morning. Go to breakfast. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Come on, amen. You hear what I'm saying to you? Somebody said, Pastor, I don't have gas money. Start where you are. Go downtown. Same thing. Get in that long line at the ice cream place. They'll thank you from out of town. Get on the horse thing and ride. You know, Diane and I used to do that. We used to have, we call them staycation. Say staycation. Come on. I used to get on the horses and ride and stuff, and, and people would see me. I was on TV. They said, well, Pastor Rick, what you doing? I said, I'm on vacation. I'm staying. I'm, I'm, you don't know me right now. I'm, I'm invisible. Come on. Say, start where you are. Number two, you should visit before you go. The prodigal son didn't do that. You make assumptions about places. People tell me all the time, I want to go to L.A., I want to go to New York, I want to move. If you haven't been to these places, don't assume that Savannah is Slovanna and you need to go to Atlanta. Don't assume that you know everything. Don't assume, don't make all these assumptions. You need to go visit and, and, and have an opinion that's informed, not, a, not an opinion that's full of fantasy. Number three, you should ask a wise person who went. Ask a person who went. You know what's amazing? In this room, there's a lot of wisdom. Right next to you, there are people who went, who did, who know. They can help you understand what it means to be a school teacher for 30 years. <laughs> they can give you the insight. They can show you. They can, give you. they can give you knowledge. They can help you understand what it means to be an engineer, what it means to be a lawyer, what it means. They, they understand what it means to be a doctor, what it means to have a business. I see people going into business who don't have any conversation with anybody in business. What are you doing? You're going off on your own. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to only learn on the other side. Don't, don't, don't be that person who has to learn on the other side. Learn on this side. Know the truth on this side. It makes your life freer. And then number four, you should never be afraid to turn around. I like the prodigal son story because he left. You know, sometimes people just stay in the wrong place. They refuse to say, this was a bad decision. And they can't turn around for pride's sake, for all kinds of sake. They can't say, this is wrong. I need, to, I need to turn this around. This is not the right direction. I like the fact that he said that. He was in that hog pen feeding pigs, and he said, I'm hungry, and my daddy has some good food. I'm going back home. This guy, you know, pride can make you, can keep you broke. It'll make you do something you should not do. Would you repeat with me, please? Say, it's okay, it's okay to, change your mind. to change your mind. What are people going to think? Do they pay you? <laughs> do they pay you? I'm trying to understand. Why, you, why do you care? Young people, you'll go through this for a while. I, I don't want to be disliked by those girls. What do they pay you? Where do you, do you live with them? Do they, do they, I'm sorry, you worried about them? And, and see, there's this, there's this thing you have to, you have to manage and dealing with people, period. And this is something that's really, I had to learn in this job because, you know, one of the things about this job that I don't kind of like sometimes is 
People look at you all the time. You say, you got the wrong job. Well, I mean, really, you know, and, and they judge you. And so if you're, if you're the kind if, if, if to do this, you have to get over one thing. I'm who I am. I'm happy with who I am. And they'll be okay. You have to say that. You have to say, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. You know, like my sermon, preach your own and be happy. Praise God. It's all good. I'm not going to worry about, I don't know why you got sermon notes. Okay, don't use sermon notes when you preach. It's all good. I'm not worried about, I'm not trying to make you happy. If I live to make 3,200 people happy, I'll be a crazy th person with 3,200 members. Everybody say amen. amen. You do the best you can. You give it the best you can. You love people. And then people say amazing things to you sometimes. And you have to help them. You have to help them grow. You have to sometimes I, I, I try to be nice, but <laughs> every now and then I have to help a person grow because they, they're, they, they're on the other side. I, I, I have to be clear. Sometimes some of you are too worried about things that don't matter. And I have to turn around and say, it mattered to me that I came out here. It mattered to me, but now I see that I was wrong. And so now I need to change and turn this around. I, I, was, I was with these friends, but now I've, these friends are hurting me and my self-image. Uh, I need to turn this around. I was in a relationship one time with a person, a business relationship, and my wife said something that was so powerful. She said, I have never seen you as insecure as I've seen you with this person. So I stopped the business relationship. Something about their chemistry in me, there was, there was this constant battle in business, and it was just wasn't working. So I told him, I said, look, this is not going to work. I don't know what it is about the way you formulate words and the way we interact, but I'm, I'm in too much tension. Sometimes you have to realize, i got to turn this around. Amen. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Here's the last one. You must look past people who will not forgive you. Amen. The father, the, the son would not forgive him. Why? Why? At some point, when you made a mistake and you've acknowledged it, there is no more you have to offer. Some of you fathers who failed your children, here's what you do. You sit them down and you say, listen, okay, I should have supported you, should have been there, I wasn't. Now, I have my reasons for that. Maybe your mother and I, I didn't want to be around, I felt threatened, tension, whatever it is. Give your best spill. Kids may say, well, I still don't understand and you got a lot to make up to me. Okay, I'll do the best I can. But here's what I can't do. Live my life under guilt. If you cheated on a person, you're unfaithful in a relationship, it's out in the open, okay, say it. It's in the open. Let's decide where we're going to go from here, forward or not. But here's what I can't live with, guilt and condemnation for the rest of my life. That doesn't mean I don't want to admit it. That doesn't mean I don't want to confront the issues. It just means that the, the, the boy was wrong. He wasted the family money. He went out chasing women. He embarrassed the family. He insulted the father. He did all that. But at some point, when you get on the other side, you've got to look past people who won't forgive you. When you are on the other side of a mistake, when you have made the error, you must rise up. You cannot, God is not glorified or honored because you walk around with a guilty face all the time. Can I, can I get an amen if you hear what I'm saying to you? There's something liberating about this. There's something that frees you when you understand this. And you might say, well, are you saying, you know, just kind of, kind of ignore it? No, I'm saying you can't live there. There's no freedom in that. I'll tell myself, Temple, get up and get over it, dude. Sometimes my wife will look at me and I'll start talking out loud to myself. She'd get nervous. You all right? I said, no, I'm not fighting me right now. 
But these, these horrible thoughts come to my mind. You should have done this and you should have done that. And, I mean, simple things for a pastor. The church attendance should be higher. Really? Give me a break. Give me a break. Five more people are going to be happy. I'm not, I'm not living that way. I'm not living that way. If they start leaving, I'm leaving too. I'm going to tell you, I'll start leaving. I'm going with you. I'm going to get right in your car. We're going to run. Where are we going? What church are we going to now? We're going somewhere together. Leave me here by myself. No. Forget that. You got to learn how to get up and move on. The prodigal, come on, amen. That's a good one. Come on, you got to get up. I like that. Somebody whistle. Come on, give me a big shout, amen. Next week, I'm going to talk about the wisdom of the prodigal father. I have never preached a sermon. I have, I, I'm so excited about it. And, and it, it's, it's his attitude. His attitude. And that's what I'm talking about next week, taking charge of the attitude that can stop you. This guy had an attitude that was amazing. Despite what happened in his family, he didn't let it stop the family from moving. Because when the boy came back home, the family was still rolling. And so come back next week. You ready for that next week? Come on, say praise God if you learned something. (laughs) Father, I thank you for the word today and all that's been said. I pray that the message has lifted the hearts and minds of your people. I pray that they would leave this place inspired, that every heart would be lifted to a new place of strength and courage. May they leave with another level of truth. Thank you for those who are streaming in, watching. Bless them at home. May this truth bless them and lift them to a new place. I thank you because you alone make the way for us. You alone guide us. And you, Lord God, show us paths of righteousness. I pray for people in this room today who would say, Pastor Rick, I heard the message and I need, I've been the prodigal son. I've left home and I need to come back. I've wasted years, wasted money, not following God and I need to serve him. Some would say, I, I need you to pray for me, Pastor, that my life would get back on track spiritually. I've lost my way. Some need to be a part of a church, and this is the place they need to be. Whatever need they have, I pray your blessing upon them. I pray they leave this place changed, and may they never be the same. Thank you for this chance in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Whenever you hear a message, response is important. 